is America's foremost political comic, as you know, if nothing else from listening to this program, because he gives us a commentary just about every week. And he's coming to town tonight for a benefit. And here to tell us about it is none other than Will Durst. Welcome back, Will. How are you doing, Douglas? We're, we're doing okay. Oh, good, good. What is this? I don't think about this, uh, this group uh, and, and the benefit. Uh, tell us what it's all about. Uh, it's the Davis Musical Theater Company. It's on 607 Pena, and I'm sure there's a phone number, but uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, people can go to dmtc.org, and I'm appearing there tonight, uh, 8 o'clock, and just telling some jokes, and there's a guy named Alvin Johnson who's going to open up for me. And then, of course, I'm going to sell my little book afterwards and sign copies of it, The All-American Sport of Bipartisan Bashing. Yes, indeed. And what else you need to know? Well, you've been doing a series of benefits here, haven't you? Yeah, I did one in Benicia last night, and last week I did one in Napa. So it's it's kind of my benefit tour. I just need to get out there and, you know, I got so much new material. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just need, I need to try it, you know. I need to work it out in front of an audience. All right. Well, I'm quite certain that uh, that people uh, hearing our voices, many of them are going to want to come to hear exactly that. Uh, uh, I guess we need to w- have you weigh in on a few things. Maybe we can start with the New Yorker cover. Have you have you been any comments on that? Uh, well, that's what happens when liberals try to help. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and come on, if the New Yorker, if the cover of the New Yorker can't do satire, who can? You know, that's that's what it drives me nuts. It really does. I mean, come on. I wish I wish Barack had had, you know, just the ability to come out and say it was funny, you know, and it was satire. He he said, I guess it was funny, but I didn't get the joke. Well, uh, come on. It was an easy joke. That's what everybody thinks. You know, that's that's the push that the right is trying to sell about you. I mean, it's not that hard to see the joke. Well, I will say one thing. He does seem to be responding pretty much every time they every time something comes up. He's he's just all over it. Unlike previous Democrats. That is true. He's got a rapid response team. <laughs> and I, I loved uh, the response. You heard what he did to Jesse Jackson when Jesse Jackson said he wanted to cut off his testicles. Uh, he had a member of his team, you know, take a couple of basketballs to Jesse Jackson's <laughs> office and present them to him. I did not know that. <laughs> I just made that up. Well, I like it. He should have done it if he didn't. Yeah, that's what I think he should have done. <laughs> you know what, though? I think that might work out on his behalf because... Uh, you know, there's a lot of white America that thinks, wow, Jesse Jackson don't like him. That's kind of like the honky seal of approval, you know. <laughs> I did like Michelle uh, Obama's uh, uh, response to when it was alleged she'd used the word whitey. She said, what is this, the Jeffersons? I mean. <laughs> she, she said the whitey? She what? said whitey? She was accused of using the term whitey, and she said, no one's used the term whitey since the Jeffersons went off the air. <laughs> He actually has a sense of humor. He keeps it well covered, though. Uh, he was sitting out in front of uh, Mount Rushmore, you know, and he always looks like he's posing for Mount Rushmore. <laughs> looks like he's posing for the fifth head. And, so, and a reporter asked him, well, do you really vision yourself up on that, that rock face wall up there? He looked up and he said, I don't know if they get enough rock up there for my ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's funny, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah I thought that was funny. You know, I'm looking at your your bio here, and it, I I don't think about this. You, you, uh, what's the Edinburgh Edinburgh Fringe Festival? And you you won a prestigious award there. 
No, I was nominated for a couple of prestigious awards, but I never won. All right. Same thing with uh, the Emmys. I was nominated for an Emmy five times and for the stand-up comedy, best stand-up comic of the year award seven times. And I've never won anything. I'm kind of like the Susan Lucci of stand-up comedy. <laughs> I do have to say a lot of our listeners here at a university uh, area are uh, are sometimes younger. And, and I've had a lot of people say, hey, this guy you have on, this guy Durst, it, he's pretty good. He's kind of like Louis Black. <laughs> Are you kidding? No. They have, <laughs> we, you, so they're hearing about you for the first time on our show, I'm happy to say, and, and liking it. Oh, good, it. good. Oh, I'm glad they like it. Yeah, I took uh, July off because I'm, uh, I'm spending uh, July concentrating on uh, my little stand-up comedy act, you know, which has become, <laughs> become like uh, the junior uh, partner in my little, uh, the corporation that is the Will Durst, uh, Durstco. You know the comedy corporation, but uh, so I got to get back my stand-up comedy chops, and it's well, fun. You've been you've been around the country selling the book. You've been doing pretty well with that, I think, eh? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it peaks once in a while on Amazon, and you know I'm in all the Barnes and Nobles and all the little bookstores, and trying to plug it away. I've been on CNN and Fox News, and doing whatever I can. You know, you know what it's like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep your head above water, man. Indeed. And, uh, and of course, we should remind our listeners that uh, your column appears uh, locally here in the Humor Times on a regular basis. Yeah, and uh, I'll be getting back to the commentaries the first week of August. Well, we'll be glad to have them. We are speaking with uh, America's foremost political comic, Will Durst. And, Will, we have to, we have to ask you about uh, the passing of one of the greats, uh, George Carlin, who, who left us a month ago. Uh, any, any words about the late, great George? He was the guy with the machete who kept plowing new ground for us. He was blazing new trails for us to follow him. And uh, all of us comics owe him many, 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 many debts of gratitude. I mean, he was the first guy to do so many things and comedically. I mean, he was the first guy to do jumbo shrimp, you know, <laughs> if you want to go back that far. You know, I got to say, though, I saw, him, uh, I saw him a couple years ago, and he was still funny, but, man, he was one angry guy at the end. He was so mean. He was so misanthropic. And I think that came from he didn't have to pull any punches. He was disgusted with mankind. Yeah. And there and he constantly harped on God. You know, and what a what a stumbling block God was to uh, most of us. Uh, instead of giving us, you know, solace and and sucker, you know, our God made a sucker out of us. So. Well, he was a good Irish Catholic boy, and I can certainly relate to uh, to sort of the the disillusionment one 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 comes upon when you get to be about sixteen. You kind of go, "Hey, this is a lot of this is just BS." Yeah, you realize that uh, they've been feeding you a line. <laughs> uh, that happened to me too when I was a kid. Well, Will, it's always a pleasure. We know that uh, you'll be back doing the commentaries in August, and people will be glad to get him. We'll be glad to get him, and keep up the good work, fighting the good fight, and let's let's hope we get some good news here in November. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, yeah, you, you keep the home fires burning in the 916 area code, and we'll see you around the pool. All right, man. Will Dirt. Thanks, Doug.
All right, we've got a couple minutes left in today's program, and I would note that uh, that a few months back, one of the favorite shows we did of late was the one we did on Mongolia, and it turns out there's a Sacramento to Mongolia connection. In fact, uh, airing on, re-airing, I should say, on KVIE this Sunday at 6 o'clock will be a documentary about traveling from Sacramento to Mongolia, and here to talk about uh, about that trek is one of the participants, Keith Aquat. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Keith. Thank you for having me, Doug. Now, uh, from what I read here in the little uh, magazine put out by Channel 6, uh, it asks, what happens when two young men from Sacramento grow restless with suburban life? And, and uh, that would be you guys. And I guess what you decided to do is go to Mongolia. An interesting choice. Chris and I grew up in, uh, grew up in Sacramento. Um, uh, my role in the project is that I'm the host, uh, and uh, Chris was the cameraman director. We grew up together finished up college, and before we started, we wanted to start our uh, careers, we were like, hey, let's do something we love to do. We both love to travel. We traveled to China and Eastern Europe together. This time, we wanted to travel to Mongolia, bring a camera with us, and, and see how it worked out, and it turns out it worked out well. Well, you guys looked like you logged 1,600 miles uh, getting up to Mongolia. That's, that's quite a trek. Well, 1,600 miles doesn't sound like uh, too incredibly much, but 1,590 miles of that was on dirt roads. It, <laughs> it really did add up at the time. Well, having been myself, I, I, I yes, I would, I would say there's not a whole lot of pavement in Mongolia. No, it's it's not. It's uh, if you love pavement, pavement, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to Mongolia. <laughs> well, I do have to ask. I remember, like, I always wanted to go to Mongolia, sitting in grade school, looking at that big, mysterious country up there on the map. Uh, was it kind of a similar thing with you and uh, and Chris? And I, I'm not even so sure that I could point mo- to Mongolia on the map before I left for the country. Okay. You know, that's how little that I really knew about Mongolia. And having traveled to China, that really says about how remote and how off the, the American conscious the, that Mongolia lies. I mean, Mongolia has this rich history that really affected virtually every living person in, in, in Europe and in Asia. And uh, what's, what's funny is, you know, America, in America, very few people know about anything about Mongolia besides the fact that Genghis Khan was from there. And, uh, but I think it's fair to say that a lot of people have heard of Genghis Khan. So, you know, part of the intrigue of going to Mongolia was that, you know, everyone knows just a little bit about it, but really nothing beyond some of the, some of the, the historical anecdotes. Well, Keith, this might be a chance for us to, to, to plug both the movie out in theaters right now, Mongol, which is pretty good. Yeah, and- I've seen it. And also uh, our own archives, where people can hear the interview we did with Jack Weatherford on our 300th show, where we talked. It was a whole show about Mongolia, so I'm, I'm really kind of uh, tickled to be returning to this this topic. It's it's a huge country that that has a, a huge history and, and a lot to tell. So you know, I I love talking about it too. Well, you know what we ought to do is uh, at some point have you come back when we have a little more time and just and reflect on this because uh, you you put this uh, this documentary together. It's 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 airing not only locally on Channel Six but across the country. Yeah, and this is the first step. We're airing Sunday, like you mentioned, at six o'clock on on KVIE. But we're also airing from New York to Los Angeles, Seattle, New Orleans, Washington D.C., all over. And, um, you know, this is what Chris and I hope will be just the beginning. Um, we're currently working with KVIE, uh, the, our local PBS station, to put together a series called Roughing It, the Great Pacific. We're, it's an eight-part series. We'll, we'll travel through the South Pacific, it, through the nations of Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, to more of the lesser-traveled-to countries to tell stories that don't have the chance to be told. Well, Keith, we will have to have you come back, and I and I, I will do my best to do what I can to send you guys to Burma because I thought that was a magical place, uh, cyclone <laughs> or not. I thought that was a marvelous country, and I hope you'll visit there among other places. 
you know, it's a little tough to get a visa there, but but if you can help me out, I'll, I'll go. I'll certainly give you a lot of encouragement. But anyway, uh, the documentary is titled Roughing It Mongolia. We've been speaking with uh, Keith Aquat, one of the uh, the documentarians who put this together. And we, we do look forward to bringing you back on again, Keith. And good, good luck with this. this is, and I really want to congratulate you for getting this uh, across the nation on various PBS stations. Well done. Great. Well, th- thank you, Doug. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. wraps it up for today's program our thanks to guest Stephen Valentino Steve will be back in the future this program was produced by Edward McMillan as they all are I'm your host Douglas Everett you've been listening to Radio Parallax see you next week